Let's open our Bibles, 2 Kings chapter number 4 tonight. It's all right, just don't take my outline, Jim, and you will be okay, amen. 2 Kings chapter number 4, and uh, if you missed that vacation Bible school meeting, I encourage you to get with Brother Kerry and, uh, and organize with him. Uh, you being a part of vacation Bible school will be a blessing and help to us, but it will also be a blessing and help to you. And I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you uh, on Vacation Bible School Week. So I encourage you, don't let that opportunity pass. Get with him and uh, say, put me doing something, Brother Kerry. I told, I told Brother Seth we were talking about it. And I told him, I said, there's always a cup of coffee that needs to be held up somewhere. Amen. And uh, there's always a bag of trash, isn't there, Brother Ken? Needs to be took out somewhere. Amen. And, uh, and there's always some kid that needs to be scowled at somewhere. Amen. So... There's plenty of work to go around. We encourage you to be involved with it. Second Kings chapter number four. I'd like to begin reading in verses, uh, verse number eight. And I just want to read three verses tonight. Now we're going to read a lot more than that before we're done this evening. But I want to, uh, look at these and set sort of the context, set the frame for the preaching of the Word of God tonight. Second Kings chapter number four, verse number eight. The Bible says, and it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. We'll stop there and pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for what you did this morning in our midst. We are mindful to praise you, Lord. Anything that came out of it that will matter in eternity was because you did it. We want to praise you for it. Lord, now I pray as we turn our hearts' attention to the word of God once again tonight, that though you did great things in our hearts this morning, that we would set our eyes forward and that we would seek for you to do something once again tonight that would bring you glory. Lord, thank you for being faithful today. Thank you for loving us today. Lord, thank you for being who you are in our lives every day, day by day. And we'll be sure to continue to praise you for all that you do. Lord, we love you. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. In Second Kings chapter number 4, we have sort of the dawning of a relationship between Elisha and a family uh, in the uh, city of Shunem. Shunem was a city in one of the tribes of Issachar. And uh, though there is much to be said about the relationship between Elisha and this woman, she's called a great woman in verse number 8, it was not just her but the entire family that Elisha would minister to and had an interest in and that God used him in their family to do great things, to make himself manifest and to bring them along in their spiritual development. But I began to think about what this little family decides and chooses to do. There's two things that sort of set the stage for this story. You know, this very often churches that have prophets chambers, they get that concept and that notion from this very chapter. Having a place where the man of God could go and could rest and a place that would minister to him and, and a place of lodging while he was on his journeys. That concept really began and it's really sourced in this chapter. 
But you know, I think there's something bigger going on here than just giving Elisha a roof to uh, sleep under and giving him a table to slide his feet under. When we think about what this meant to this family, I think we'll find a deeper message regarding our relationship with the Lord. Now, here's what I mean. There's two things that set the stage for this story, and we've seen both of them in our text. The first thing we notice is Elijah's visitation in verse number 8. The Bible said that uh, whenever he passed by this woman's house, that she constrained him to eat bread. Now, that doesn't merely mean that she ran out and met him in the driveway with a biscuit and chucked it at him. Rather, it means that she would come out and say, come into the house, spend time with our family, teach us the Word of God, fellowship with us around the table. Can I say, man, I'm glad that God visits with us, aren't you? I'm glad that he does not have a cold and uninterested uh, relationship with his people. I'm glad that if we'll invite him in, he'll come in and he'll sup with us. Uh, you know, something interesting that you'll find when you follow the ministries of, of Elijah and of Elisha is uh, you'll find that in many ways they mirror the public ministry and actions of the Lord Jesus We find our Savior doing this very same thing at the close of the book of Luke when he's traveling with the two uh, two disciples on the road to Emmaus and he begins to talk to them uh, about his own death and burial and resurrection, begins to open their eyes to who he is. And the Bible says uh, that they constrained him to go in and to eat with them. An amazing thing happens. He goes in and he sits down and the Bible says he breaks bread. Now, you say, preacher, why is that interesting? Well, because it was typical for the master of the home to be the one that broke the bread as the host and dispensed it to everyone else. But the Lord Jesus, with all the gentle authority that he has, he goes in and sits down, he takes the bread, and he begins to break it, and he begins to distribute it. You know, that's how the Lord is. If we'll let him in, let him sit at the table, he'll take over, he'll take control, he'll minister to us, he'll nourish us, he'll give us everything that we might need. So Elijah is visiting this family And uh, it doesn't just happen one time. The Bible says so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And and I'm going to leave this point because I don't want to belabor it. But man, I'm glad as oft as the Lord passes by. If we want him to turn in and eat bread with us, he'll do it. Uh, We don't just have to have extraordinary moments with the Lord occasionally. Uh, He will pass by often and we can meet with God and we can hear from Him. We can let God do great things in our life. As oft as He passed by, He turned in. You know why? Because as oft as He passed by, she invited Him. You know, as oft as God passes by, I wonder how many times we come down to the house of God and God passes by and we never invite Him into our life. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, we sit there and, and, and we begrudge the Word of God. We allow distractions uh, to keep our minds from focusing on it. And oftentimes we let hubris and pride keep us from ever considering what God might be saying to us. And I'll just tell you, He ain't going to barge in. You're going to have to open the door for it. You're going to have to be willing to let Him work in your life. So we see Elijah's visitation here. But then in verse number 9, we see Elijah's voice spoken about. The Bible says, And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God which passeth by us continually. You know, one of the things that I found, it's a sad commentary on our society today. There are certain passages that when you read the Holy Ghost, who is God, who knows all things, He's as, uh, as omniscient as uh, any other person of the Godhead, 
You can tell he went out of his way because he knew just how depraved the minds of man and how darkened they would grow. Uh, There are some that would seek to cast the relationship between Elijah and this woman in some kind of nefarious light. But I'd have you notice that she went to her husband and said, Hey, I want to build a place for the man of God when he comes by. And the Bible goes out of its way to call him a holy man of God. So the Holy Spirit dispels any sort of rumors or any sort of murmurings uh, that uh, men might have about this passage. And what is the thing that God wants us to notice here? This woman says, hey, this guy ain't just a preacher. Uh, this guy's not just a teacher. I mean, this guy's not just a, 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 a traveling Levite that's carrying the Word of God. This is a holy man of God. Where'd she learn that? I'll tell you where she learned it. it was sitting around a dinner table. She heard his voice. And in his voice, she heard the voice of God Almighty. And she said, you know, he's speaking the truth of God to us. And I found this to be true in our lives. If we want to hear the voice of God, if we'll listen, He'll speak. And, you know, listening to the voice of God is more than just listening because God does not speak audibly to us. It's reading His Word. Uh, we've got to be willing to invite Him into our life, and we do that through obedience. We've got to be willing to listen to His Word, and we do that by reading it and applying it. But we'll find that if we'll do that, that the voice of God will speak to us. But the thing that's most interesting to me is the next thing that happens. This woman is so determined to hear God's voice more often that here's what she does. Verse number 10, she says this, Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. She's so determined to hear the voice of God more that here's what she does. She makes a place in her home for God to always be welcome through the person of Elisha, for Him to always be ever. So she don't have to run out and try to invite Him in. She wants Him to have a key to the place, open terms. You come in, we've got a place for you, and you don't have to ask, and you don't have to wonder. There's just an open invitation, Elisha. Here's your room. Here's everything you need. We want you to stop by every time that you're passing by. We'll preach to you on this thought tonight, making room for God in your life. Now, i got to go ahead and tell you, I was a little worried when I titled it that, because if we're not careful, we'll sort of think of that in terms of trying to compartmentalize God away and, and pencil Him into our schedule. And that's not what I mean tonight. I don't mean merely saying, let God be a part of your life. But I'm saying so many of us, man, the reason we don't hear the voice of God more is we don't never invite Him into the dinner table in the first place. We have so much in our lives crowding and cramming God out that we never hear from Him. I, I, I think I, I think that busyness is not necessarily something that is is a net negative, uh, but it's also something that is not uh, virtuous in and of itself. We're getting ready to have a business meeting here a little bit later, and, you know, we always tell folks we're going to have a short business meeting, and uh, by and large, that's always been true. And you know why? Because our business isn't business. Sometimes there's business about what we're doing, and when there is, we ought to see to it. But our business isn't business. There are some churches whose business is business. You say, what do you mean by that? What do you mean, preacher? Well, I mean this, activity just for activity. Uh, Busyness just for busyness. Doing something just to be doing something. You know, one of the dangerous things is you can so close up your schedule that you find that you forgot to put God in it at all. We do that in our everyday lives, day in and day out. But this woman, she says, I want to hear His voice more. 
So I'm going to make room so that He has a place and so that He can come in and out of our life as He wishes. He can speak to us whenever He desires to do so. And so in our heart, both in our schedule, uh, in our daily routine, but also merely in the matter of submission and devotion to Him, saying, now, Lord, there's no area of my life that is off limits to You. You can speak to me about anything. I'm saying make room for God to do something in your life like this woman made in her life. It's interesting that the Holy Ghost gives us the furnishings of this room. They're very simple and very sparse. Here's what they gave him. They gave him a bed, a table, a stool, and a candlestick. Now, I don't know that that's to suggest that if Elisha had asked for anything, that he would have been denied it. But rather, the Holy Ghost goes out of his way to point to these as furnishings and features of this room. And you know, the furnishings of this room, they remind us of some of the things that the voice of God provides in our life. Notice uh, it mentions a bed. You know why? Because the voice of God is a place of rest. You want rest? Hey, you got to hear from God. Talking about rest for your soul, rest for your mind, rest for your heart and, and encouragement. You say, preacher, I'm weary. Go to the Word of God. You'll find the nourishment that you need. Not only is it a place of rest, but the Bible says there's a table there. Uh, that tells me this. It's a place for fellowship. Uh, now, uh, you, you might have a lot of uses for a table, but the best one I've ever seen is put food on it and eat food off of it. Amen? Uh, you say, preacher, don't you eat food off your plate? Not if it falls on the table, I don't. I don't care where it falls. Amen? I Listen, I, I, I've done too much to my body to believe that some germs on a table is going to kill me now. Amen? And even beyond that, man, I, how, how are you planning on going, you know? <laughs> so uh, a table, it, it's a place of, of, of fellowship. It's a place where often, as we'll do a little later tonight, we'll gather around and spend time together. And you know the voice of God. That's where we get fellowship with the Lord. It's where we gain encouragement. It's where we hear from Him. It's where we hear His voice. We spend time with Him. We welcome Him into our life. And then the Bible says there's a stool there. Well, what does that remind us of? Well, the voice of God is a place of stability. Uh, that was where a person, if they was going to sit down to fellowship, that's what they'd sit down on. And it had to be something that was stable, had to be something that would hold up the person, had to be something that would not tip over and fall over. And you know, in your life and mine, it's the voice of God that provides stability. There's not a single one of us left to our own devices that will be faithful. It is only through the, through the careful administration of the will of God in our lives daily by the reading of the Word of God and obedience to His Holy Spirit that, that faithfulness is produced in our life. Uh, if we just say, well, I'm just going to grit my teeth and bear it and will myself to be faithful. You can say that, but you won't because you have infirm flesh just like I do. Uh, you're, going to, you're going to be unfaithful to God. You're going to be disobedient to Him. Nobody ever lived a life of faithfulness through their own faithfulness, only through God's faithfulness as it was manifest through obedience in their life. It's a place of stability. And then the Bible says this, there's a candlestick there. And it reminds me the voice of God is a place of illumination. It's where God reveals things to us. It's where He gives us wisdom and gives us direction and shows us how we need to be living. So in other words, in this little room, we're reminded that the voice of God gives us everything that we need. Now, think about Elisha's relationship with this family. And you know, it does not end at this point. In fact, these three verses that we've read are but the dawning of what goes on for many, many years. In fact, much of it's mentioned in this chapter. But then even four chapters later, this family pops back up. And that's interesting to me. You know, Elisha, he is the person, the voice of God for his nation. And it seems like this. Let me, let me see if I can say it this way. The family that made room for Elisha, Elisha just keeps dealing with 
and keeps ministering to. Sort of makes you think that the family or person that makes room for God is the person that God's going to keep dealing with and keep ministering to. Won't just be a passing, fleeting thing, but rather there is episode after episode where Elisha speaks to them, ministers, intercedes on their behalf, performs miracles. In fact, all of the relationship that he has with this family is all because this woman said, let's make room for the man of God in our life. Let's make room for the voice of God. And you know, it reminds me, there's some key moments in this family, and it points to me in my heart and mind, to places that we need the voice of God. And I'll tell you this, man. You may go days that you can convince yourself that you don't need to hear from God. You probably will. You're going to have boring days. You're going to have days of, of mundanity and, and status quo. But there's going to be some times in your life, and you always need to hear from God. But there's going to be some times in your life you're going to be reminded how desperately you need to hear from God. And these key moments, these inflection points, these intersections of their lives, I think remind us of some of the times that we desperately need to hear the voice of God. Let's consider what we can learn from these key moments. Well, the first one happens really just immediately following our text. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, And it fell on a day that he came thither, Elisha, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. Isn't that interesting? She don't go out and invite him this time. Well, why is that? Well, because she made a place for him. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. And I thought about this when I read that. You know, we need the voice of God in the matter of dreams. Now, when I mean dreams, I don't mean the things that come to you after you eat too many crystals and take a nap. Amen? But I mean in our aspirations in life. We need to hear from God. I was preaching this morning in Sunday school out of Ephesians chapter number 3. And in fact, I'll turn over there. We'll just preach from it for just a moment before we jump back to our text. But a very familiar passage that you'll be able to quote is in verse number 20 when it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, World without end, amen. I can't tell you the numbers of times that you and I have probably quoted that in regards to God working in a matter that we're facing. Oftentimes we're facing health problems, financial problems, relationship problems, whatever it might be. And we'll be praying and asking God for certain things. And and we'll come back to this verse and we'll quote it. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Now listen, I ain't fussing at you or me. I mean, listen, if that can be a nail upon which hang our faith, then that's an encouraging thing. But in the whole theme of the book of Ephesians, which is the displacing of our old identity and the replacing of it with the identity of Christ, notice that Paul He doesn't say he can do exceedingly abundantly according to what you ask or think. He says above and beyond what you could ever ask or think. Here's what Paul's saying. He said in your flesh, you don't even know how to dream big enough. In the energy of your flesh, you don't even know what to ask for. 
You could try, but hey, He can do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. It's interesting when we read this passage in 2 Kings chapter number 4, that this woman never asked for a child. You know why? She didn't even believe it was possible to have a child. She would have never even dreamed to ask for a child. She, at her age and her husband being older, she thought, well, there's no way that God could do this. But I'm glad the voice of God asked for something bigger than she would even dare to dream. Asked for something beyond what even she would have thought was possible. Gehazi answers that this woman has no child. And Elisha says, well, just come on in and and let me give her this word from God. And she says, about this time, he says, about this time next year, you're going to have a child. Uh, She didn't even get a a, a say in it. Amen. (laughs) Some of you ladies. (laughs) I mean, she didn't even get to... uh, Some of y'all would have said, now, wait a minute. I could use a new car. (laughs) And it reminds me of this, man. We need the voice of God to even know what what we don't know and what we should know and what we need in our life. Some of the greatest things God's done in my life, I would have never thought to pray for. I would never thought to ask for. God's done things in my life that I would have never dreamed were even possible. He's done exceeding abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. And those times and those moments came from the voice of God speaking in my life. Times God knows better what you need than you know. And that's why you need to hear from Him. Uh, it's not Our prayer life is not a requisition process whereby we say, now God, I know I need A, B, C. Hey, your Heavenly Father knows what you have need of before you even ask. Uh, that ain't what prayer is all about. I know old, old Dr. John R. Rice, you say prayer is asking and receiving. Well, that all sounds good except God already knows what you need before you ever ask in the first place. And oftentimes He gives you and you receive things that you didn't even ask for because God knows better what you need than even you know what you need. You say, preacher, what what are you telling me? I'm saying this. You need to know the voice and the heart of God or else you're going to miss out on what God wants to do in your life. If this woman hadn't made a place for God in her life, she would have never thought to ask God for a child and would have never had a child. But because she made room for God in her life, God did more than she could have even imagined. Look with me at verse 18. The story doesn't end there. The Bible says in verse 18, and when the child was grown, which we know is 28 now, um, when the, some of y'all ought to be saying amen, amen. <laughs> trying to get them out. <laughs> trying, I know. <laughs> That's what I mean. I'm praying for you. I know. When the child was grown. <laughs> and by the way, if you got a kid that's 28, I didn't know that, amen. I just picked a number. Got to be careful saying that as a preacher. Somebody says, the preacher is looking at me, amen. No, that wasn't me. That was the Holy Ghost. And when the child was grown, <laughs> it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. And we had taken him and brought him to his mother. He sat on her knees till noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. This is amazing. Listen to what verse 23 says. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. Now let me just pause there. That's an amazing thing to me. I don't know if he was trying to be cruel. I don't know if he was bitter, brokenhearted himself. Or I don't know if he was just that dense. I don't think he could have been. He sends this boy in. He does not know the child is dead yet. But he sends this child in complaining of this pain. And 
And now all of a sudden the mother says, hey, uh, get me a donkey, get me a driver. I've got to go to the man of God. And, and, and he says, why would you go to him? It's not a day to worship. Why would you go to him? Why would you, hey, it ain't Sunday. Why would you go down to church? And listen to what she says. She said, it shall be well. In other words, here's what she said. I don't understand this. I don't know what's going on, but I know if I can get to the voice of God, God will tell me what I need to know about this situation. And the voice of God is the reason I have this child. So the voice of God is going to see to the ministration and health of this child. And she said, all I need to do is hear from God, and I'll know what needs to take place. You know, you need the voice of God not just for dreams, but for moments of devastation in your life. I can tell you how I would have been, man. I would have been to pieces. I don't know if I would have been angry and bitter, seemingly like the husband. Maybe not. Maybe that's a misread on my part of the situation. But I can tell you, I wouldn't have been like this mama. I mean, she, with calm, cool confidence and faith, just says, if I can get to God, everything's going to be okay. I wouldn't be, I'd be in pieces. I'd be in a puddle on the floor. I'd be weeping. I mean, I would be so broken. See, she's been spending time around the voice of God. She's been hearing from God for quite a while now. And she's done learned that if she can just get a hold of God, everything's going to be okay. And you know, you need the voice of God for those good days in your life, but you need them for those bad days just as much. There's going to be days that if you can't hear from God in the midst of what you're going through, you'll go crazy. Times where if you can't be reminded that God still sits on His throne, that His providence is still good, that His promises are still true. Times when you need to be reminded that His plan is still ironclad and that He's always faithful. Those are days you're going to have to hear from the voice of God. And what a shame it'd be to come into one of them days and have to spend two, three hours trying to get on praying ground because it's been so long since you've heard from God. This woman just goes seamlessly from this moment into seeking the voice of God Because she didn't have to be convinced God had an answer. She knew God had an answer. So in that moment of devastation, man, she's ready. And I, listen, I don't, there's some things I don't guess you're ever altogether ready for. But we can be ready in the matter of trusting God. We can say, now I don't understand and I don't know and I can't puzzle it out, but I've done decided that God is in control and I'll trust Him in the midst of this situation. I'd say in moments of devastation, we need to hear the voice of God. And then look at verse 24. We're going to jump down a little bit for time's sake, uh, and I'll tell you when we are. But verse 24 and 25 says this, Then she saddled Nass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. She's saying, Don't slow down. Just keep going unless I tell you to slow down. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. It came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Look down at verse 28. Then said she, then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? See, she's broken hearted. It's not that it's not affecting her, but she's made her mind up. She's going to seek the Lord about this matter. And then verse 32 says this, that when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times. I've had that happen before. And the child (laughs) opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her. 
when she was coming unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. Now, there's a lot going on here. We're not going to take the time to unpack. And There's a lot that's hearkening back to a miracle that Elijah performed. And all that sort of uh, paints the picture of the intercessory work of our Savior. There he is placing himself above the dead body of that child so that when God looks down from heaven when he prays, he don't see the child. He sees Elisha, just as Elijah had done at one time. And you say, preacher, uh, why did he sneeze? Well, it's probably in Tennessee. That's why. No, we could, pro- we could probably make some application if we spent some time. But can I just make this passing statement? Hey, in times of desperation, you're going to need to hear the voice of God. We're reminded how desperate this woman was by what she says in verse 24. She told her servant, drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. We get another glimpse of it in verse 28 when she cries out, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? And we can get glimpses of it in verse 37 when she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. You know what all this uh, adds up to? It all adds up to a woman whose heart is broken, who is desperately seeking the Lord's help in this matter. Can I tell you this? In those moments when you need the voice of God, you're going to need the voice of God. I know that seems simplistic. and I'm I'm not just trying to... That's not vain repetition. What I'm saying is there's going to be moments that you need Him and are not aware that you need Him. But there's sure enough going to be moments in your life that you need Him and you know you need Him. And as we said a moment ago, what a tragedy it would be to find ourselves so unfamiliar with the Lord that it takes us hours or days or weeks or months just to get reacquainted with how He deals and works in our life. Well, to keep, the old-timers used to say this, keeping close, short accounts with God. In other words, don't allow sin to... Uh, sever your fellowship with Him and don't grow cold and distant and indifferent to Him. Because I tell you this, man, I've been in this thing long enough. We go down to UT Hospital and I could show you person after person after person whose lives had very little problems that morning. But now in this moment of grief, they'd sure enough wish they could hear from God. See, you think you only need Him when things fall apart. Here's the problem. You don't know when things are going to fall apart. Uh, when we was getting getting ready and getting spruced up, come down for the service, I heard sirens going by, and I uh, that maybe it's just me. My heart always drops when I hear that on a Sunday. We got a lot of people driving to this little building, and I heard that, and I thought to myself, I began to pray and ask God to help whoever it is that is in need of help. But but I I, I was selfish. I said, Lord, don't let it be one of our people. God, don't let it be one of our families. Don't let it be any of them. I thought to myself, and maybe it was fitting, of course it was, the Lord knows what He's doing, to remind even me as a pastor how quickly it could go from an enjoyable, leisurely, pleasurable day in the house of God to being heartbroken and life in pieces. I don't just have, I don't just have uh, church people. I've got family headed down those roads. And just I'm reminded, listen, life is a fragile thing. And you say, well, now, preacher, I know I'm not close to the Lord the way that I ought to be. I know I'm not close to Him like I used to be. I, I know my prayer life isn't everything. But, but you know, that's okay. I, I'll get it straightened out. I, I, one of these days, I'll get me and the Lord, we're working on it. And I'm, I'm working through some things. Boy, I hope that your life doesn't come crashing down before you get it worked out. Wouldn't it be better to go ahead and get it worked out tonight and be on praying ground. I'd say in desperation. But then turn over to chapter 8. And there's a couple more examples here. Very brief and we'll be done. Chapter number 8. 2 Kings chapter 8. The Bible says this in verse number 1. Then spake Elisha unto the woman 
whose son he had restored to life. It's this same woman. Saying, Arise, and go thou in thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn. For the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. The woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And I thought about this. You know why we need the voice of God? We need it for direction. Not just because there's things that you don't know and you know you don't know, but because there's far more that you don't know and have no clue that you don't know. God knew there was a famine coming. She didn't know. She didn't even know to pray and ask what to do. She didn't know she'd be doing anything. All of a sudden, God speaks to her and says, Hey, things about to get lean in this place. You need to get out of here. And you need to find a place where your family could be took care of. Aren't you glad God knows what we don't know? And He guides us and He directs us. You know, most of the greatest things that God's done in my life, He put me in places I didn't even know I needed to be in in the first place because He had divine appointments set out, ways made for God to do something in my life. And I didn't even know that I needed to be going a direction, but God knew. And so He set my feet on a proper path. We have a lot of, a lot of families that make, are making decisions for your family. That's part of it. I'm, I, I enjoy that. I like that. I, I grow in church. We've got a lot of families that are, they're having kids and they're buying houses and they're buying vehicles and they're changing jobs and they're, they're doing all these different things. Man, that's wonderful. That, that encourages me. But can I just say, you better be praying about those things. You better not do anything that you ain't got the heart and mind and God on. And I know that every one of these people with a little bit of snow on top will tell you the same thing. There's things in their life that they wish they had prayed more about. And there's things in their life that they're sure enough glad they waited until God gave them clear direction. Man, you need the voice of God. You're going to buy a house, you need to know what house. I don't mean what house you want, I mean what house God wants you to have. You're going to take a job, you need, I mean, listen, and this goes for all of us regardless of age, but you're going to take a job, you need to know what job God wants you to have. I've known a lot of people whose Christian life and, and, and usefulness was wrecked by the wrong job. I've known people whose marriage is destroyed by the wrong job. Hey, listen, you're going out and buying a vehicle. It's going to cost you more than your house. You better pray about it. Amen? And, they, and they're just now starting to bump in interest rates up. People have said, I've heard people say, well, the, the, the car market's going to get better because the car's going to be cheaper. Yeah, they're going to have to so you can afford the interest rates. I hate to tell you that. But that, your payment ain't going to get no better. It's just going to be paying it down to, to First Mortgage Bank instead of instead of to, to Henry Ford. It ain't going to change what you're paying. Uh, you better pray about that thing. Man, you're making decisions about your children, their education. You better be praying about that. Making decisions about where to go and where to move. I was just this morning, we were praying in our Sunday school class for a young family that's seeking wisdom from God about where they need to move and if they need to move. We better get the mind of God about these things. They're not just going our own strength. Uh, listen, you want to find out just how dumb you are? Start making your own decisions. And you will learn real quick that you are not good at it. Just like I'm not good at it. And in fact, we need the voice of God about these things because He knows things that we don't know. And you don't just need the Word of God because uh, God knows things that you ain't got enough sense to know. You and I both need it for that reason. But you also need the voice of God because God knows things that it would be impossible for you to know. Things that pertain to the future. You understand He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And as such, you need to hear from him. So here's what she does. She obeys the commandment of God and she sojourns in the land of the Philistines. And then I thought about this, verse 3. The Bible says, And it came to pass at the seven years end 
that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines. And she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass, and by the way, this is more the direction of God. You can't tell me this isn't a divine appointment. came to pass as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, that behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, So the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the fruits of the field since the day that she left the land, even until now. I thought about this, man. We need the voice of God in times of deprivation. So what do you mean? I'm talking about lean times. We're living in lean times. I don't know. If you don't, if you, if you're not aware, let me borrow some money from you. We're living in lean times. I'm talking about, I was seeing an article. They're getting ready to, they're already starting to ration heat in the country of Germany, nation of Germany, and, uh, and getting ready to, to do that and, and destroy things. And I'm going to make a controversial statement. I've never done that before, but I'm about to do it right now. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I don't, I don't, there is no Russian I hate enough and no Ukrainian I love enough to pay $5 for a gallon of gas. I ain't got nothing against none of them. I don't care. I don't care who wins that. What none of that is of interest to me. You say, oh, but preacher, Ukraine's democracy. Russia is evil communist. Ukraine is as corrupt a nation as has ever existed. Beyond that, you think our leaders are really so in love with democracy? <laughs> it ain't, it ain't about that. But I, listen, I, I say all that merely to say this. Well, one, cause I enjoyed it. But two, because you needed to hear it. And three, because it is, vaguely related to the message. And that's to say this, we're living in hard times, lean times. I'm talking about times when when people are really feeling it. And if you're not careful, you'll start making bad decisions in those times. Things like robbing God. Things like doing anything to try to make a buck, no matter how it damages your marriage and your church relationships and things like that. And, And you'll start prioritizing all kinds of things that you really probably don't need, but you for the first time are, are being made to choose. I remember one time talking to the principal of the Christian school at the, at the church I grew up in, and, and we were talking, and, and uh, enrollment had diminished over the years. And there was a lot of reasons for that. But at that time, it was the middle of the, of the 2008 you know, recession and all that, the aftermath of it. And I said, you know, why is that? Why does that happen? He said, you know, a lot of it is people have to choose between their cable, their Internet, and between putting their kid in education. And they've never had to choose that before. And they're choosing those things over these things. I'm saying this, man. When things get tight, people make dumb, bad decisions. We need to be reminded in those seasons, in those times, we need to be listening carefully, closely to the voice of God. We need encouragement. We need the providence of God. We need Him to open doors we cannot open, to make appointments we cannot make. It's amazing. It, it, it boggles the mind to, to think about Gehazi standing there detailing this story and this woman walking in right at that moment. You can't tell me that wasn't a God thing. Well, how'd she get there? She wouldn't have been there if she hadn't been listening to the voice of God. But she's there. God had ordered it and God had ordained it and she's there in that place. And God met her need in a remarkable way that manifested His power and His wisdom and His providence. And it was all because she had made room for God in her life. 
You need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. It's not just nice to hear from Him. We need to hear from Him. The only way we're really going to hear from Him... Oh, listen, even if we don't make room, He'll walk by every now and then. Don't get me wrong. But wouldn't it be far better if we said, Now, Lord, I'm making all the room in my life that I can. I want you to feel free, feel at home. God, you come walk. The key's under the mat. There's a place for you. Anytime you need to speak to me, I want to hear from you. And then to foster and to nourish that relationship by getting in the Word of God where we hear the voice of God, getting in prayer and seeking God about things and letting Him have His will and His way. We ought to make more room. You say, preacher, i got some room. You ought to make more room. He's a big God. No telling how much of them could fit in your life the more room you make. Make more room for Him. Lean into Him. Let Him have His will and way. You might be, you might be shocked what God does. Let's bow together tonight. The altar's open. You're invited to come right now in this moment. Uh, don't, don't let what God's doing in your heart cool and, 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 and still. Instead, go ahead and come right now. There's a musician. Connie's going to play, but you don't have to wait for a note to be played. You go ahead and find a place down here. If God's speaking to your heart, find a place in this altar. Let Him have His will and His way. Hey, are you, are you seeking for His voice like you once did, like you know you should, like you desperately need to? If not, why don't you make tonight the night that you start and that you seek Him? Father, bless this invitation. May it magnify the Lord Jesus. We ask it in His name.